Hi, I'm Pastor Kenneth Olusanya of the Vivify Ministries, and it is my joy that your heart is awakened to the finished works of Christ with such powerful simplicity. Are you ready? All right, here we go. Hallelujah. Welcome to Bible Study Service, Vivify uh, Illuminate Service. Thank you for making the time here. It means the world that you're with us. I have to remind you that um, in everything that will be said, uh, we, we take our convictions from the Word of God. The Word of God is our, uh, is our standard. The Word of God is our source in every matter and facet of life. All right, so uh, I just want to welcome you once again. Thank you for being here. I want you right now to get your Bibles ready, get your writing materials. There's a lot to discuss and just so you know, this teaching is rated R for real and raw. <laughs> I might not be holding back anything, and I'm going to say it as it is. So just prepare your mind for this. It's a special teaching, but it's a heart-to-heart. It's one that I believe we all need to have to make sure that we are on the same page, right? To make sure that we're not just skimming over a lot of things, because I find that one of the greatest strategies that the enemy is using today is causing the church to be silent on some certain issues so as not to offend people, so as not to step on toes. But, you know, what you realize is when there is secrecy, when there's ambiguity, um, you find that there is just no precise adherence to what the scriptures teach. Right, You find a lot of believers confused about certain matters because the church isn't talking about those things expressly. You know, you talk about things like sex. You talk about, I mean, let's not even talk about the church now. Even some of your parents, let me just start there. When you turned maybe 9, 10, 11, and at that time, 12, 13, you started to experience puberty. You know, it, different, it, it differs with, with each person, right? But somehow, at some point in your early preteens or teenage years, you started to experience some changes. Now, it, I'll be honest to say, from my research and from what I hear from people, um, what I see is that a lot of people didn't get that counsel about those changes from their parents, right? They didn't get they didn't get those counsels from their parents. Oh, my my son. Oh, my daughter. At this. T- a certain age, you probably be experiencing these changes. You start to see growth in this regard. You start to experience, you know, a deeper voice. You're going to experience wider hips. You're going to experience pubic hair. Uh, yes, I said it. You're going to experience armpit hair. And sometimes you're like, why do we even have armpit hair? Like, what's that for? Like, what's the point, right? Well, at least some of us um, have armpit hair. Some of us, you know, we came from heaven like that. Anyways, um... <laughs> that was a joke. Uh, but what I'm trying to say is that imagine that your parents didn't even counsel you. How, how many parents will sit their children and have the talk, you know, and say, oh, there's something called sex. And by the way, we didn't just bring you because mommy and all you hear is mommy and daddy liked each other very much. And boom, God gave you a gift. That's just the the cutest way to explain how you know, where babies come from. But, you know, barely would you find a parent that would just talk 
You know, well, barely you find a parent that will just uh, sit a, a child, their child down and say, you know what, there's something called sex. That's how you came to be. When this and this happened, <laughs> you know what follows, right? Um, and, and, you know, in, in cases where parents actually say these things, when parents actually discuss it, especially when you see it in the movies or in more westernized societies, the, the talk is not really the talk you would expect, right? The, I mean, if you're going to have the talk with your child, it's, oh, uh, Jason, can you just sit down? We want your mom and I want to talk to you. So you're going through changes, right? And we know that right now you're experiencing some desires and this. Oh, mom, dad, don't say all those things. Ew, it's weird. No, just listen, son. It's fine. Like you're going to go through these changes. Uh, but we want to give you this. This is your first condom, Jason. And we want you to use it wisely, right? Don't just use it with any girl and make sure you're always protected. That's many times that's the kind of talk we hear. If at all the parents are saying anything, it's more, uh, it's more or less, uh, just a protection, uh, rather than an abstinence, right? The protection in sex rather than an abstinence from sex. So you see that per- a very, very, uh, pervasive in, in those cultures. And the truth is we are highly influenced by those cultures. And so it's easy for us to pick on from there, but I, I digress anyways. But what I'm trying to say is that if your parents many times, I mean, if you're listening, you can indicate in the chat section, did your parents have that talk with you? Like, were they, were they, <laughs> were they uncensored about that talk with you? Did they tell you those terms? Did they call those parts by name to you, right? Did they, did you find it awkward if that happened? But if it didn't happen, let me know. I want to know, right? And then, Imagine your parents couldn't even tell you if they didn't. How much more the church? You know, so the devil has really made um, the church silent on certain matters that we need to be even more vocal about, especially in these days and these times where there's a lot of confusion, where there's a lot of levity and a lot of liberty to do whatever you want to do as you, you so please. But you see, for us as believers, our word... I mean, our standard, our source is the word of God. That's where we, we derive everything that we believe, our convictions, our worldview, our belief system is from the word of God. We believe on it. We believe in it. We stand on it. Praise the name of Jesus. All right. So I want to suggest, I mean, we are in a series called uh, Christian Conduct, right? And we've been teaching this, uh, we're going through this series for about three uh, three Sundays now, and it's simply just to highlight some things that are not so talked about, about how a believer should live. We talked about being Christian. We talked about tough love. We went ahead to talk about being diligent, how you need to work hard, even as a believer, how, you know, spirituality is not an excuse for laziness. But this week, we need to talk about this because it's part of the Christian conduct. How you are expected to live in this dark world as lights of the world. Do you understand? So it's very important that we address this situation. Before we go to our anchor scripture, I want us to quickly open our Bibles to Philippians, right? Let's go to the book of Philippians. It's just the book before this one, right? So let's go to the book of Philippians. Let's go to 
chapter 2 from verse 15. Alright? We're going to go to Philippians chapter 2 from verse 15 to 16. Alright, so it says this, That you may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, and that that also speaks of the daughters of God, for the feminists in the house, sons, like I always say, indicates inheritance. I just always want to point that out. Uh, the sons of God without rebuke, in the midst, look at that, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation among whom you shine as lights in the world. Right? So, this was both specific about the the nation, uh, uh, the city called Philippi, uh, but it's also by extension talking about the state of the world. It's a crooked and perverse world, a crooked and perverse generation. That's the world we face. And it's saying that you, you need to stand blameless. You need to stand harmless. You need to shine as a light in this generation, regardless of the perversion. Right? So it tells us clearly that there is perversion in the world. And what perversion simply means is um, an aberration from what is the standard. A, you know, a divorce from what is right. So for example, if shoes are meant to be worn on the feet, if you are wearing them on your hands, that's a perversion. You've changed the use, the natural use for the shoes. Right? A perversion is just doing something, whether good or bad, in the way it's not meant to be done. Do you understand? Right? So perversion, that's what it is. And today we live in a generation that is saturated with a lot of sexual perversion. We live in a generation where the natural use of sex has been exchanged for something else. Right? That's the world we live in. And so that's why it's important. We need to answer these questions. When it comes to sexual purity, there's a lot of questions we need to ask, right? I mean, and we're going to talk about this much more. Don't worry. I I got you covered, all right? Just sit back and, and listen and let the Spirit of God work in your heart. There are a lot of things we have to discuss. So just get ready for all that we're going to talk about. We're going to answer a lot of questions and we're going to just see what God says about all of this overall. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Fantastic. So let's go to our anchor scripture for this series, Colossians chapter 1. The book of Colossians chapter 1 from verse 9. We'll read from verse 9 to verse 10. All right. I hope you're there with me. I'm going to read right now. For this cause, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you. And to desire that she might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Right? We talked about three elements. And by now you should already know this if you've uh, stayed with us for that long. But I'm going to recap. You, you, there are three elements when it comes to spiritual growth. There is knowledge, there is understanding, and there is wisdom in that order. So there are a lot of things that you need to know that when you understand them, it will help you be able to apply them in wisdom. And you start to become fruitful in everything you do. Do you understand? So there must be no gap in, in each of these elements. It's either 
If you don't know something, you can't even understand what you don't know, right? And you can't apply it because you don't even know it. But it's possible if you know something and you don't understand it, you would you would end up misusing it. You know, as Miles Moreau would say, the purpose of a thing when it's not known, uh, abuse isn't is inevitable, right? So if you don't know the purpose of something, you might just misuse it. If you know that you have power, for example, in Christ, you have authority, and you go around just cursing people in the name of the Lord, you don't understand what that power is meant for. And so your application becomes wrong. That's an example. Do you understand? And let's say you have all the knowledge. You've heard this teaching now on sexual purity. You understand it, but you don't take action. You will not express fruitfulness in your work with the Lord. In your walk with the Lord, you won't. Because that's what Paul was praying for. When he prayed this prayer, he said, I want you to be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. To what end? Verse 10. So that you will now begin to walk worthy of the Lord in a way that pleases him all the time. That you'll be fruitful in every good work and you'll keep increasing in the knowledge of God. Do you see that? So that's the perspective we're supposed to have. That when we have good knowledge, sound knowledge, and here at Vivify, you have good knowledge given to you, sound knowledge from the scriptures given to you. You have it made simple so that you can understand. But now I am charging every single one of you listening to take action on everything that will be said. Praise the name of Jesus. That's where the blessing lies. That's where the fruitfulness lies. Praise the name of Jesus. Oh, glory to God. Hallelujah. Now, before we start, right, we're just getting, we're just getting started. I want you <laughs> at the top of your lungs right now, just perform an exercise. I want us to, to have an icebreaker here. I want you to say this word seven times. You know how to say shout seven hallelujahs, right? For this one, I want you to shout this word seven times. What is that word? It's very simple. S E-X. <laughs> what does that spell? Sex. Yes. So I want you to shout it at the top of your lungs if you have your parents at home. That's fine. They understand. I mean, you're going through a phase. <laughs> I'm kidding. But just say it seven times. Like, yes. I, I, will, I, will, I mean, I'll lead by example. Sex. 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 I've said it seven times. The reason why I wanted us to do that exercise, I hope you did yours, by the way, uh, is because I don't want you to have in your mind the idea that sex is a terrible thing. It is sacred, but it's not sinful. It doesn't have to be outrightly. It is... It is something that is good it was intended to be good and i'll explain to you why i know that but you see for the longest time growing up honestly i wouldn't lie to you for the longest time growing up um i'd always always dreaded that three-letter word i always hated hearing it god knows like i would say you know you know, if it comes up in a conversation, I'm like, you know, guys, they did it. They did what? That thing now, what did they do? You know, they, they fellowshiped. Eh? I don't understand. No, they, they communed. What? 
The, the S word. You mean S-H-I-T? No, 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 not that one. The S word. They did what? S-E-X. Oh, why did you just say that? I was afraid for my life to say because of the connotation that follows it. That sex has to be bad. But guys, I tell you, sex is good. It's beautiful. Now, I don't have much experience. Glory to God. Uh, <laughs> I don't have any experience. But I know it's beautiful because God created it so. You know, when he gave the command in Genesis 1.28 to these people he had created in his image, he told them, be fruitful. Like, not plant trees that have fruits and get a calculator and, you know, no, that's not what he meant. And multiply some digits. Be fruitful and multiply meant, I want you to fill this earth. Populate this earth. I want to see more of you across the the kingdoms and the expanses of land I've created. I want to see you thrive on this earth and dominate it. And the means through which that happened was through sex, was through intercourse. You know, so sex was created for that reason, for procreation. But at the same time, when you think about it, sex was designed to be pleasurable, so that, in fact, that commandment will be done with ease. Do you see that? Sex is not, you know, like having surgery. That's not the feeling you get. I mean, if sex is done right. Praise the name of Jesus. That's not the feeling you should have. Like you're having a surgery. No. It's pleasurable. It's a delight. So much so that we have a lot of people today who are addicted to it because it creates a place of pleasure. A sense of pleasure for people. Do you understand? So it's beautiful. It's God's design. The devil was not creative enough to design sex. He doesn't have the means. He can't. Do you understand? Angels can't understand what sex is. Do you get? You're blessed. <laughs> You're blessed. You get to know what it is. And you need to remember that no matter what you hear out there, no matter what the media tells you, no matter what your parents have told you, your grandparents or the church, you need to remember that sex is beautiful. It is a good thing. But you see, sex is also a powerful thing. It's a powerful thing. And if it's not put within the right confines, it can be dangerous. You know, someone once described sex like a fire. If, I mean, fire is beautiful. It gives heat. It helps cook. It provides light. But if it's not put in the right confines, it can fall on the floor if, and the flame can start a forest fire and destroy everything in its path. That's the same way sex is happening, uh, happens to destroy a lot of things in its path when used in the wrong confines. Praise the name of Jesus. Is it good? Of course it is. Can it be dangerous? Yes, it can. When not put within the right boundaries. Praise the name of Jesus. But you see, I want to start off this teaching. I mean, for the longest time, I wrestled with starting this way. But I just want to say, because this is how I believe the Lord wants to help people out. I'm, I'm, and I, I, I ask for your forgiveness um, ahead of time, but it's for your good. I'm, gonna, I'm about to get into your business right now. I'm about to just dig into your lives, right? But it's going to be very helpful. And I want to just talk about some the reasons why we have a lot of sexual perversions happening today, whether amongst believers or unbelievers. Do you believe that some believers 
struggle with their sexuality? Do you believe that? Do you believe that there, there, there are people today who, who struggle with their sexual orientation, who struggle with, uh, having, you know, stopping, you know, stopping themselves from having sex, you know, when not married? Do you know there are believers that are struggling with all forms of lust? Yes, are they saved? Of course they're saved. But the truth is there are a lot of things that have held them down, that have, that have caused these cycles to just be on repeat in their lives. And I'm going to just mention a few of them, right? The re- some reasons why, you know, some sources of sexual perversion, if I'm going to put it that way. The first one I would mention is, and the reason why I'm saying it is for some sense of self-inflection. So you look, look inward, right? I don't know who you are. I don't know the things you've been through, but I want you to just look inwards, right? I want you to just think. The first thing I'll mention as a first, as a source of sexual perversion, the truth is, at the end of the day, sin is, sin is what caused everything. It's the ultimate source, right? When God created all things, he said, this is good. He created the sky. This is good. He created James, fantastic guy. He created the animals. He created, and he was like, this is good, you know? But the question is, when the things start to go bad, was when sin entered into the, into the story. When man fell and sin entered into the world, things started to go bad. There was sickness, there was pain, there was poverty, there was chaos. There was disorder, there was decadence, there were disasters, there was immorality from that moment of disobedience from Adam, right? So, on, on the, you know, the underlying factor and the overtone and undertone of sexual perversion is sin. That's where it comes from. But it took shape um, in different forms, and that's what I'm about to talk about. The first one um, is abusive experiences abusive experiences and this is something very dear to my heart because i mean sexual or physical abuse has eaten at so many people it's so rampant so much so that it could say every three in five girls have been sexually assaulted or sexually abused at some point in their lives. The statistics are crazy. It's crazy to think about that. And it hurts. It hurts. I mean, the whole point of this is you have someone, most times, someone who is close to you, someone who you trust, someone who you form a bond, a bond and a relationship with, you know, and at the stage of naivety and innocence, you have this person who couldn't control their, their 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 desires, their perverted desires, and just had to find expression with that innocent child and have their way with the child and prey on that innocence. And the child, not knowing what's going on, will just yield like, okay, fine. This seems like it's a good thing. I mean, it seems right. Until later on, when they grow up, they realize, no, something is wrong about that. My uncle Tolu, I mean, I'm just saying this name, right? Um, it's just an example. My uncle, my uncle Tolu used to touch me this way. My uncle Tolu used to do this this way. And he used to tell me not to tell anyone. I didn't know what that was. Now I do. You mean, you mean that happened to me? I, I mean, my neighbor used to 
take, take my bath when I was younger and touch me in places that I was wondering why was, was my neighbor touching me in that place that they shouldn't touch me. Many of us, if we're being honest, have been in places where we've been sexually abused or even almost sexually abused. And it's not just limited to females. It happens to guys. I hope you are aware of that. It happens to guys. But it's just, it's just that a lot of guys don't talk about it many times. But it does happen. And it, it, it hurts me so bad. Because the truth is, you are not to blame. You're not to blame for that exposure. You're not to blame for what they put you through. What they exposed you through. And, and maybe you don't think that... You know, maybe they didn't touch you. And, and you feel like, oh, all they did was just introduce you to pornography or something. Or, or told you to do something to yourself. That is abuse too. It is. It is abuse and it's terrible. It hurts. We find a lot of people with those perversions today because no one taught them the right thing. A lot of people grew up thinking that masturbation was alright because of the pleasure and, and, and the feels that you get from it. But it's not right. It's a perversion. Sex was designed to be between two people who were joined to become one under the side of God and man. And that was where sexual experiences were meant to be satisfied, not with oneself. Not with oneself. God didn't design sex to be that way. God didn't design sex to be when you, you, you know, or, or, or sexual pleasure to be when you look at other people having sex. He didn't design it to be that way. And it hurts because, ah, it hurts. It hurts. But I, I want to say this, like really, I, I really want to say this as a pastor and as a human being that I apologize on their behalf, whoever they are. And, and in some very funny cases and very terrible cases, nothing funny about it actually. Sometimes you, you find parents of children being the, 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 the ones inflicting this, this harm to their children. I've heard of cases. In fact, some cases where it was actually rape. These are real life situations and the truth is a lot of people don't realize how deep it has affected them their mentality their sexuality until they realize it so late later in life and they're like oh wait something is wrong somewhere with me a lot of people that got addicted the statistics the statistics say that um the highest percentage of people in, that are involved with pornography or masturbation are people who have been sexually abused at some point in their life that's the truth that's the truth that's what the statistics say some stumble across these things you know based on curiosity but many people because of the exposure they had Early on, it could be a classmate, it could be a cousin, it could be a driver, it could be a lesson teacher, it could be any single person, anyone at all. And many people have had to endure those things for years and had to keep quiet about it and couldn't talk about it because there's no, who would believe me? And even if they believe me, won't they see me differently? The, the shame is too much. The stigma is too much. How? How will people see me? How will people accept me? 
And I just want to say this as a pastor, as a human being, that I, I apologize on their behalf. If, if you never got to hear it, sorry, hear it from me. I am sorry you had to go through that. The truth is, I went through something similar. And I thank God that just at the nick of time, I was rescued. But I had, I mean, a 40-something-year-old woman trying to take advantage of you, that's, that's crazy. Someone who is meant to just come in, clean the house as a house help, and just, and the person wants to prey on your innocence, that's, that's the world we find ourselves in. And I'm sorry that that happened to you. I'm sorry that you, you, even if, I mean, my heart bleeds, my heart bleeds and I'm sorry. But I want to remind you that you're not to blame for that exposure. You are not responsible for what happened to you. Now, maybe you, you might have not resisted. You're not, I mean, you've not been exposed to that. You've not, you've not had the slightest idea of what that is. So you're not expected to resist. You're not expected to know of such things at that age. So you cannot blame yourself for it. If you've blamed yourself for the longest time, I pray that you forgive yourself. Please forgive yourself. Let it go. Forgive yourself. And maybe you were even someone who were, I, I, I don't want to be uh, assumptions that everyone here has been a victim. It's possible that you were even the one who victimized someone else. There is forgiveness for you too in Christ. Of course, you need to make amends. Whoever it is, you need to reach out if you can. If you still can, apologize. You know, but Christ can forgive you. Don't live in guilt of what has happened in the past, right? So that's what I want to say about that. But you see, what I want you to do, the next step is to take a sort of self-evaluation. Just look at those changes that have happened in your life over time, the restrictions. And the the truth is, when those experiences happen, they're usually two ways. It's either the doors of your sexuality open wide, or they close very tightly. It's never the same with everybody. It's never the same. And some of you can relate to what I'm saying. For some of you, because of those experiences you've had, the rape, the abuse, you don't want anyone near you. In fact, you start to hate men. You feel like all men are dangerous. All men are demons. All men are the same. All men are rapists. And you start to think that way. And you start to welcome some some inordinate thoughts. And that leads to many things. Sometimes it leads to even looking to someone of the same sex because you don't trust the person of the other sex. It happens. And some of you, the doors open wide. I mean, if, if it's happened before, it can happen again and it means nothing. What does my, my sexuality mean to me? What does my virginity mean? It means nothing. I mean, I've lost it already. I mean... What's the whole point of that? I mean, there's nothing, there's nothing I'm protecting. There's nothing I'm keeping anymore. It could lead to a lot of sexual escapades because of that same evil. So everyone reacts, responds to these things differently. But as much as you're not responsible for the past experiences, you are responsible for what happens in your life now and in the future. Do you understand that? You are responsible now. You have decisions you can make and you don't have to just follow the, the events of the past to, to a, a damning end. You can change the direction that your life is going if it's on the wrong path. 
Oh, am I talking to someone here? I, I, I mean, I'm coming from a place of love for you because I don't want to see anyone's life end in ruin because of things that have happened in the past. The beautiful thing about Christ is that when you stepped into him, everything became new. Everything, all things became new. The old life is gone. The past is taken care of. His mercies are new every morning. And so your past should have nothing against you. Praise the name of Jesus. I want you to just say right now, my past has nothing against me. My past will not hold me down. My past will not creep into my present and my future. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Whew. Now, aside from abusive experiences, right, that cause these sexual perversions, many times it could be the experiences of others, right? It could be the experiences of others. When you hear of someone who did this or did that, that, that has a way of influencing your own decisions. And for many people, maybe because of, I mean, the, the, the reason why God puts us in a family unit is so that we can have an example to follow, especially with our parents. That the first examples, the first teachers that we have, and many of you, because you grew up in, in families where the marriage of your parents just seemed to be shaky, maybe there was abuse involved or there was infidelity, you started to let that shape your idea of what marriage, of what sex should look like, or what a relationship should look like, you need to be careful that that doesn't become the source that informs your sexuality, do you understand? Or informs your relation, your relationships. You need to remember that ultimately your source is the word of God, what God's will is for your life. Do you understand? They could have the worst marriage in the world, doesn't mean your own marriage has to be the worst. They might have had terrible, you might have heard terrible things that have happened. doesn't mean yours has to be that way. Praise the name of Jesus. So sometimes we get those sources from uh, the experiences of others. And by far now today, because of the advent of technology, we have the media. The media, what do you see in the media today? What do you see? It, it's, so, it's so saturated with a lot of perversion. Now, I mean, if you, if you just, and I'm being, I say this, remember our stance as believers, we are never homophobic. We cannot be homophobic. It's just, it's impossible. You can't be a Christian and be homophobic and hate people because of their sexual orientation. We love people. We may not love their decisions. We may not love their actions, but we love people, right? Just saying that, right? So you understand where we come from and what we stand on here at Vivify. But what I'm saying is that we have, I mean, on Netflix typically, for example, hardly would, and just on any other platform, hardly would you ever find a TV show where there is no sexual, uh, or sexual orientation, uh, diversity, diversity in sexual orientation. There must be someone, maybe it's, there's a gay best friend, or there's a gay couple, Whatever, there's just that hint of that. And now today, because of how progressive things have gotten, you have transgender people in the cast. Just people on that spectrum, LGBTQ, you know, P-I-A-K. It's still expanding, by the way. But you just have people 
that fall into that spectrum of sexuality. And they keep telling you that you can do whatever you want. You see, I mean, I watched a, a movie where the, the parents, <laughs> it was funny, but it was also very heartbreaking. They, they had just given birth to a child, right? Um, and the, the parents were uh, very progressive people. They were progressive in their thinking. And so they, I mean, fully subscribed with the community LGBTQ. And by the time the baby was born, the doctor was like, I want to congratulate you. You have a bouncing baby boy. They said, no, what? Don't say that, doctor. Like, I don't understand. It's good news. No, it's actually good news. Like, no, who told you that that's a boy? And the doctor was like, I don't understand. Is this a trick question? Like, how do you know it's a boy? Um, I can, I have eyes. <laughs> I can see. Like, yeah, just because he looks like a boy doesn't mean it's a boy. And, like, that's what you see happening today. So the parents actually saying, let the child grow up to a stage. Let's call it a, an it for now. Let the child grow up to a stage where they can decide what orientation they want to be. Or what gender position they want to take. Just, I, I, it really is very concerning. Today in schools in the United States, they have pronouns for people who are queer. So you can say he or she for male and female. But now you can start to say they for people who are queer. You can call them Z-I-R, Zer, I think that's what they call them. They're now new pronouns and it's part of the syllabus they're teaching schools today. So we are in a world of perversion. Bible says God created them male and female for good reason. And <laughs> if I'm going to apply common sense, when you talk about sex for a male and female in engaging in se sexual intercourse, it makes sense that a particular part, now this is where I get raw a bit, that a particular part fits into another part perfectly. But when you have the same sex, when you have Adam and Steve or Madame and Eve come together, you can't have that same fitting happen. You cannot. Now help me. Help me. So even biologically, it, it goes against everything that God stands for when you want to go the other route. Do you understand? And that's not what God wants for us. So these are some sources of sexual perversion that we have today that we need to be careful. We need to be vigilant about so that we don't just follow in tandem with them and accept those truths that the society brings at us. You need to remember that the media is not just for entertainment. It's fueled by the enemy, by the devil. The Bible, I mean, Paul calls him the God of this world. He influences the media, he influences entertainment. I mean, today, and, and, and media includes music too. I hope you know that, right? Today, what do you find in songs? Long ago, in the 80s, in the 90s, what you hear are songs of, ooh, when you look into my eyes. And you just know, very nice, romantic songs. Even if they are, they are beautiful, even if they want to sing a song about sex, it, it's just well behaved. Like the song is well behaved. Do you understand? But today, you can have a song that literally describes sex from beginning to end. In fact, it's literally audio porn. I'm not even joking. I mean, the, one of the songs that I've heard, um, that recently I've heard that it was just similar to that was Wale Adenuga production song by Cardi B. If you know, you know. <laughs> right? You know the song I'm talking about. I, I, I dared to listen to the song. The biggest mistake of my life. 
And I heard the lyrics and I was, I was hurt. I was hurt. Like, I felt, the, I couldn't even finish listening to it. I couldn't. It was terrible. They're selling sexuality for people to buy. All you see is sex, sex, money, drugs, sex, sex. Ooh, money, drugs, sex. Hey, hey, just nice beats. And you are dancing. Hey, I wanted to. <laughs> That's what we're finding today. That's what's happening. It's influencing our decisions. But we need to be vigilant. We need to be aware. Praise the name of Jesus. Now, let's just quickly go because of time to talk about sexual purity in itself. Right? What does sexual purity really mean? Right? What does it really mean? Many times when we talk about, um, when we talk about these things, right? When we talk about, um, sexual purity, what we used to hear, uh, normally associated with it is virginity, right? We start to hear things like, are you a virgin? We start to hear things like, has any man touched you? Have you touched any woman? And many times when you hear virginity, it always used to delve to the females for some reason. Society has just placed such a huge target on the back of females to, to use as a way of judging them. Now, for example, the typical society we live in, if a guy is heard to have slept with multiple women, his friends will hail him, uh-uh, OG, bad guy. Wow. Mr. Macaroni, you are doing well. You know, that's just the idea that people have. They heal different. And then you hear a, I mean, you hear a girl slept with several guys. What, what do you call it? She's a slut. You say she's, she's, she's loose. She's a prostitute. She's, she's cheap. And you call names. She's a whore. She's this, she's that. You just, and that's what is happening because it seems like virginity or sexual purity only just tends to the, the females. And that's not the truth. Don't buy into that idea. Right? It, it covers both male and female people. Praise the name of Jesus is the truth. Right? But when we now ask the question, right? A lot of people try to just justify themselves. That's what you find a lot of the time today. Moral justifications. You know, I mean, it's just saying, um, trying to remove an evil because of a greater evil. Right? Let's say, for example, you stole a huge sum of money. Billions and billions of naira, or let me say dollars, billions of dollars. You say, oh, I stole money. Yes, good, all right. I, I know I messed up, but at least I'm not as bad as, and you start to list names. At least I didn't kill six million Jews like Adolf Hitler. At least I didn't bomb the World Trade Center like Osama Bin Laden. I didn't kill anybody. I only just took money. You know, you start to, you know, justify your actions because of greater evils that exist out there. But the truth is with God, sin is sin. A white lie is just as bad as a blue, black, or red lie. That's the truth. With God, sin is sin. And sin deserves its wages. The wages of sin is death. You can't escape it. It's the same all through. Praise the name of Jesus. That's how it works with God. There's no greater sin. Now, in the eyes of society and men, there might be gravities to sin. There might be, oh, of course, you killed someone, and that's way worse than just telling a lie. But with God, that magnitude, as much as it's, it's, it's like that, too, the same punishment awaits those who are in their sins. Do you understand? So, a lot of people try to excuse the fact that, okay, they might be virgins, 
You know, they might say, I mean, I might have done this, I might have done that, but at least I've not, I'm, I'm a virgin. I've not done chuku chuku, at least. You know, <laughs> sorry for my language. Um, at least I've done, I might have done that, I might have done this, and I'm, I've explored this, but at least I've not done the main cocoa, so I'm fine. And that's not, that's not true. You might, my, I mean, the whole point of, of this is like, how do you even define virginity, right? What does it really mean to be a virgin, you know? By, I mean, uh, if I'm going by the dictionary definition, what you see for virginity is that it's a state of a person who has never engaged in sexual intercourse, right? Virgin is someone who's never had sex. But it's not as simple as it seems. It's not as simple as it seems. Now, just hold on, right? And this is not me. I'm not being discriminatory of anyone who, by whether out of consent or without consent, um, they made, they, they lost their virginity, right? I'm not discriminating against you. I'm just trying to point out something. Um, so this is it. That's because, um, you know, sex means different things to different people. So virginity can mean different things to many people, right? Um, <laughs> now I'm getting raw, right? If there's any word like that, more raw. You know, a lot of people think that having a uh, penis in the vagina sex um, is how you lose your your virginity properly. But then it leaves people or other, you know, who perform different types of sex out of the picture, right? You know, the normal mode of copulation when a woman and a man visit each other and, you know, one thing leads to another. I already, I already said it, why am I being shy? <laughs> You know what it's like. I don't want to fill your head with too much graphic stuff. But you know what happens, right, when sex happens. But if that's what you call virginity, not having that type of sex, then what about the other types? Now, would you say that homosexuals will always be virgins for the rest of their life, no matter how much sexual experiences they have? You can't say that. It leaves them out. So you can't define virginity by just... Uh, the penis entering, you know, yeah, you can't, you can't just define it by that. I hope you're not weirded out already. <laughs> Please stay with me. All right, you signed up for this. I told you, I warned you. So what happens, right? How can you say that oral sex, if oral sex has happened, how would you say you're still a virgin? If you've had anal sex, would you say you're still a virgin? You know, if you've had some different types of foreplay, how can you define virginity, you know? And, and some people even dare say that if you have been raped or sexually assaulted, that you can't consider that as sex because there was no consent from both partners. So if someone was forced to have any form of sex, they, they might not be seen as losing their virginity. So a lot of people have different opinions about this. So to me, honestly... That question of, I mean, some have even defined virginity as the presence or the absence of a hymen. For those of you who don't know what that is, it's something that women have um, as a covering to their sexual organ. Do you understand? Well, I, yeah. So many many cultures use that as a define as a def, as a definer of whether you are you are a virgin or not. And the truth is, it's not always the case. In fact, medically speaking, a lot of women are born with 
no hymen or partial hymens. Do you understand? And so you can't judge. And if you use that definition for virginity, it doesn't apply to guys because we don't have it. So at the end of the day, who defines what virginity is? Because what you realize at the end of the day, that is not the definition that matters. That's why this teaching is called sexual purity of all forms. It's not about you trying to merry-go-round, which one is, is acceptable, at least I'm doing this one, I'm doing that one, but I'm not doing the main. It's not about that. There was, there was, there's a scripture, which I'm going to read to you now, from Colossians chapter 3, from verse 5 to 7. And it says, So put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. That's Colossians chapter 3, from verse 5. So put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality. That word sexual immorality in the King James, it's, it's called fornication. It's from a Greek word called, a Greek word called porneia. And that's where we get the word pornography actually from. So many people think it's just fornication. It's just having sex when you're not married. But it's beyond that. It's all forms of sexual perversion. That's what sexual immorality is. You're talking pornography, you're talking um, fornication, you're talking all different kinds, all different forms. And with the technology we have today, I mean, it just keeps expanding. There are new ways to indulge in sexual immorality, new methods, new means. And it's just sad that that's the case. But when you see sexual immorality, it's not just talking about fornication, it's all forms, all different forms. You know, it talks about impurity, lust, and evil desires. Do you understand? It says, do away with these things. Like, put them to death, is what the Bible says. It says, because of these things, the anger of God is coming. So, you need to realize that God's position on this has never changed. It wouldn't change. It's the same. Sexual purity matters to God. Sexual purity, your sexual purity matters to God. He doesn't want you to give an excuse for why you're not as, you're, you're, you're not as bad as the next guy in your sexual experiences. He doesn't want you to have sexual experiences if you're not within the confines of a marriage. They're not meant to exist. And there are many reasons. I'm going to get to that very soon. Why God encourages sex only in marriage. There are many reasons, both common sense and spiritual. Right? So, but the thing you need to realize is God wants you to be sexually pure, not dilly-dallying around the borders of sexuality. He wants you to really not just be sexually pure, but chase it. And this is how, the truth is this, right? For many of you who may have entered into a relationship of sorts, some of you who just, you know, you just like this guy. I'm talking from the lady's perspective now. You just like this guy so much. He's handsome, tall, dark, and handsome. Chiseled jaw, broad shoulders, whoosh, beard gang. Oh, my Lord. You just like the guy. <laughs> and then you eventually, the guy likes you back. Bam. And then something starts. A spark starts to, you know, develops into a flame. And poof, burning bush. <laughs> and you guys start the journey. And, and somehow along the line, I mean, you ask the guy. Maybe you came from a home that you had that value inculcated into you, no sex until marriage. And you tell him, you're like, oh, I like you a lot, but I just wanted to put it out there. Um, I don't want us to have sex without marriage. Are you okay with that? From the person's response, you can actually tell whether they 
align with what God wants. And the truth is, a lot of people are actors, but you can't tell. There's a difference between, oh, I'm okay. I mean, it's fine. It's fine if we don't have sex before marriage. It's different from, of course, we shouldn't have sex. And I will make sure that that is the case. That even when you are weak, I will be strong for you. And when I'm weak, I expect you to be strong for me. Do you understand? I will not put ourselves in situations of compromise. Bam! That's a guy who has a strong value of no sex until marriage. But a lot of ladies don't know this. All they just want is, ah, this guy is fine. I finally have him. He's finally here. And before long, what you start hearing is, ah, you know, I don't know what happened. I don't know. We were just lost in the moment. And this happened and that happened. He, he made me do this. I don't know. We did it once. We did it twice. And I mean, we already done it. So there was no way. There's no need to stop. I mean, it has already happened. I felt bad. My conscience was hurting. I'm speaking to someone right now. You know, this is what's happening with you. And, and you just, you just see yourself take a different turn from what you have stood on before because of, of an influence from someone else. But you see, what God wants us as believers in our conduct is to not just, is not just to be okay with being sexually pure, but to advocate for it. Do you understand? To stand upon it, to insist on it in this generation. We need to take a stand. You see, it doesn't matter how far gone you felt you had been in your past. You can start afresh today. Maybe people even had an idea of how you were in your sexual conquest in the past. You can rewrite that story now because Christ has already rewritten it with his his blood. He has rewritten your story with his blood. He has cleansed and blotted out your sins. Glory to God. Hallelujah. It's a fresh start for you. Dear brother, dear sister, it's a fresh start. I don't care if you have slept with five hundred women i mean solomon is probably a distant cousin of yours i don't know but if that is the case in christ everything can be made new you might have hurt a lot of people all right but truly you can have a fresh start don't justify future sexual uh you know mishaps because oh you've already done it before so it doesn't matter no I know it sounds weird when people say that, oh, you can become a, a virgin again because you're in Christ. You can become a spiritual virgin. Biologically speaking, it might not be the case, but truly there is a sense to it. You can start afresh. That's the hope I'm presenting to you. You can start afresh. See what the Bible says. See what the Bible stance is on matters like this. And this is where I want us to just branch in First Corinthians, even as we round off. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. This is so powerful. This is so powerful. Oh, glory to God. God will give us the grace not to compromise, not to dilly-dally around the borders of sexuality, but to take a firm stand on being sexually pure, of abstaining from all appearances of of lustful desires. Praise the name of Jesus. So let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 6 from verse 12 to 20. Are you there? It's a long read, but it's worth it, I promise you. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Whew. Glory to God. Hallelujah. All right, it says, All things are lawful for me, but all things are not helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. I love how Paul says that. It says, All things are lawful for me, but I will not be what brought under the power of anything. I will not be subject to any addiction or any desire. I will rise above them, is what Paul says. 
Then he goes on to say, food for the stomach and stomach for the food, but God will destroy both it and them. Now, the body is not for sexual immorality. It couldn't be more direct than that, could it? He says, the body is not for sexual immorality, but for the Lord. And the Lord was made for the body. Now, he's getting somewhere with this. And God both raised up the Lord and will also raise us up by his power. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Like he's trying to to show you the bigger picture. This body that you have, this skin and bone, skin and flesh that you carry, it belongs to the Lord. It belongs to the Lord. It's a part of the Christ, of, of the family of Christ. It's a part of Christ. The Bible says, your bodies are members of Christ. Don't you know? Don't you know? Have you forgotten? He says, shall I then take the members of Christ ah, and make them members of a harlot? Pay attention. Certainly not. Or do you not know that he who is joined to a harlot is one body with her? Yikes. So do you see that sex was designed more than just for pleasure or procreation it was designed to inculcate the idea of oneness in marriage it was meant to show unity it was meant to show oneness that union oh that's powerful it said don't you know that if you join yourself to a house you become one body with her if you join yourself to that friend that you're not married to you're joining your body to her for the two, he says, shall become one flesh. But he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Hallelujah. Then he says, flesh sexual immorality. Every sin. So, now he gives instructions. Flee sexual immorality. I know reading this scripture, you would have a lot of questions, which is fine. You can always ask the questions. But I want you to see something very important. It says, flee sexual immorality. And I want to point out something. When it comes to to things regarding sex or lust. The dynamics are different. You don't hear him say, put on the whole armor of God, or carry faith, or you begin to speak in the language of the Holy Ghost. Nah. It's the same. Flee. Run. Just, just get away as fast as you can. Escape. Run the opposite direction of where you sit. Because... Sex has that appeal that if you don't cut it off immediately, you'll be drawn to it without being, without, without knowing. You'll be attracted. It's a magnet that pulls you in until you change your pole. Oh, glory to God. That was very scientific. Uh, but <laughs> that's the point. Joseph applied the principle and it worked for him. So he says, flee sexual immorality. Every sin that a man does is outside the body. But he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. Sins against her own body. That's deep. Like there's no other sin recorded in the scriptures where you could do, you could sin against your own body. Sometimes it's like, oh, you sin against God. You sin against your fellow man. But sin against yourself, that's huge. And he says there's no other sin except that, you know, when it comes to sexual immorality or sexual impurity. He said, or do you, he reminds you again, just look at that. Or do you not know that your body is the temple? This is what he's been trying to say all along. 
But he says, your bodies are members of Christ. He's trying to explain, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you. Do you understand that your body, which is now the temple of the Holy Spirit, my body, which is now the temple of the Holy Spirit, and that brother and that sister and that brother and that sister combined together, we make up the body of Christ? And when you join one part of that body to someone else who is not seen as one with you, then there is a problem you sin against your body. You go against God's desire and will for relationships and marriage and sex. Do you see that? He says, do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? Whom you have from God and you are not your own for you were bought at a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit which are God's. That's the idea. Because you belong to the Lord. You belong to the family of Christ. Because your body is the temple of God. He says glorify God. Honor God. Show him reverence with your body and with your spirit. Do you see that? So it's not just, I mean, there are many reasons why you should abstain from sex. There there are many reasons why you should say, you know, I don't want to have sex before I'm married. But above all, this is what commands that commandment more than anything else. Because you belong to the Lord. Because your body is the temple of God. See, I want you to remember that there is really no secret sin. Every sin you do as a believer is done in the presence of a holy God. Do you realize that? That's the truth. God sees all. It's not secret. It's not behind the scenes. God is present. You are a carrier of God's prayer. I know that sounds weird for you now. (laughs) It might change a lot of things. But it's a good perspective to have. Because it's the truth. It is your truth in Christ. Oh, but I tell you. God, the reason why he emphasizes this is because you are not alone. You're not alone. For some of you, you have struggled. You've tried to fight. You've tried to be, to, to be consistent in your absent, abstinence. You've, you've tried to be sexually pure. And, and just so you know, when it comes to sexual impurity, it, it might not be even you engaging in physical activities like touching someone else. It could be sexting. Maybe you didn't see it in the scriptures. It's in my version. <laughs> okay, it's not in my version. Let me not. It's, it's, it's true. Sexting is a means of, of, of trying to get some sexual satisfaction from someone who is not your husband or your wife. You're trying to burn with lust with someone else. It's wrong. It's wrong. That's why he says sexual immorality. It's broad. It's a broad spectrum. Any way you are trying to get sexual satisfaction outside of a spouse, under the sight of God and man, is sexual immorality it is sexual immorality and even when you are married there are some things that are not expected of you to do because if you do anything any sexual act that your partner does not consent to or is not okay with you are engaging in sexual immorality that's that's another talk for another time too but what i'm saying is that the confines of sex God has put them and they're important because if they go out of the boundaries, you can get burned. It's like a fire, not contained in, in, in the kerosene lamp. It can cause a, 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 a succession of damages and burns. It can hurt. God doesn't want you to join yourself to someone else who is not one with you. 
God, God, see, the reason why God discourages this is because that's not his intent for sex. And besides, what, what you realize is people who have spent time, I'm talking about people who are in a dating relationship, who are looking forward to, to being one with each other someday, that have not engaged in sexual activities, what you realize is it increases their patience. It increases their self-control. They build it over time. These are fruits of the Spirit. Patience and self-control. You build them in that, in that period. What you also realize is that they build intimacy beyond sexuality or sensuality. They build a deeper kind of emotional intimacy that you can't get with sex. I mean, anyone can have sex with a well, not anyone, but you get the point. You can have sex with a prostitute, and that's fine. The prostitute doesn't feel anything. She doesn't say, oh my God, you gave yourself to me. It means the world. No, nah, it's a job. I mean, today they call them sex workers. That's a more politically correct term, but whatever it is, they're working for sex. That's all they do. So sex can be very, very meaningless, and God designed it only to be the culmination or the completion or the consummation of a bond and intimate and intimacy that has been grown and cemented. Do you understand? That's what God wants sex to do, to close the deal of something that's already been built. So you've built the foundation, you the building is rising. All you need to do is cap it up with the roof, plaster and paint and say, you know, the building is ready to be entered. That's it. That's the idea. God doesn't want to have baked relationships. He wants ones full of purpose, full of of, of growth and emotional bonds before you become one, you connect yourself. That's a simple fact. That's where the real marriage actually happens when you think about it. That oneness happens when you have sex with someone. But sadly, that's not what we see today. Sadly, we just see that a lot of people have, have downplayed the sacredness of sex. And God doesn't want you to do the same. He wants you to take a clear stand Praise the name of Jesus. I mean, it's just wise not to have sex outside marriage. It prevents unwanted things, unwanted diseases, unwanted pregnancies. Yes, you might say a condom can do that, but it's not the same. <clears throat> sex connects people in a deep way that they even don't realize, in a deeper way they don't even realize. Praise the name of Jesus. So, and and I'm I'm reminding you again in case you have sort of broken that boundary you've crossed the line you've actually engaged in sex maybe not once or twice and many 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 times you can take a stand again you can actually decide to please god and honor god with your body again it's fine god can forgive you in fact as a believer he has made the, the provision of forgiveness available for you in christ so you can start afresh god can look at you and tell you that he remembers your sins and iniquities no more and you start again the same words he said to the adulterous woman who messed up who was involved in sexual immorality and he said, I don't accuse you. They don't accuse you because they have also been sinful. Neither do I accuse you. Go and say no more. He gave them forgiveness. He gave that woman forgiveness. And that was the motivation for her to go and sin no more. 
And that can be you to listening to me. Maybe you broke the head, you broke, you crossed over the fence, you did things you shouldn't have done. Maybe because you are misled, maybe because you are taken advantage of, you can start afresh again. That's the message of God to you. He wants you to heal. He wants you to be whole and complete. He's not wanting, he doesn't want you to bring someone into your life to fix what is broken. He wants to fix you before you join yourself to someone else. And he wants you to yield. He wants you to be bare with him. He wants you to be ready to have him do his work. Only he can do that for you. So you get to a point where you don't flinch at the slightest touch. Where you don't, you don't feel guilty at the, at the slightest thought. Where your thoughts start to align with his. That's where God wants to bring you to. Where there's no bitterness left in your heart against those who have hurt you in the past. That's the place God wants to bring you to. Where you can stand surely, regardless of past experiences, and say, you know what, I choose to honor God with my body and with my spirit because they belong to him and I belong to Christ. Oh, glory to God. That's where God wants to bring you, dear brother, dear sister. That's where he wants to bring you to. Oh, glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. And, you know, what I want to say now, you know, that just to round this up, right, on on how to build consistency in sexual purity. These are just a few things that I'll share with you. Number one, when you're in doubt, right, if, if there's ever a situation that you find yourself where you're in doubt, is this crossing the line or not? You need to pause and rethink. Immediately, don't just dismiss that thought. If there was a doubt, you need to take it seriously, rethink. And if you have to cut it off or dismiss that action, then please t- make that decision. Do you understand? If there's something you're not sure, is this me crossing the line? Maybe uh, I'm just giving an example. Maybe in the relationship, you are allowing someone to touch you in places that you, you just feel, I, I don't think they should be touching me here or here. It's too private. It's not right. Rethink it. Don't dismiss the thoughts. And be sure to cut it off when you're in doubt. Number two, build convictions. Along the way, there will be people who would come to tell you otherwise, tell you different things. Like, ah, ah, no, no, that one is not too bad. It's actually okay. You know, I mean, there are a lot of materials out there, articles that will tell you masturbation is actually healthy for you. And when you realize that, see, God didn't design sexual pleasure to be satisfied by one's own self, but to be satisfied in another who is joined to you and made one with you, then you realize that this is not God's plan. It's a perversion too. Do you understand? And so that's where you need to build conviction based on God's word. You need to build conviction on God's principles. Many people have said that God, I mean, the Bible doesn't speak expressly about pornography and masturbation, but the principles are the same. God's design has been the same. And when you see something that goes against that design, then that's what you can call sin. That's what you can call aberration. Number three, create clear boundaries. So number one, I said when in doubt, rethink it or cut off. Number two, build convictions, right? Number three, create clear boundaries, right? You need to stand on boundaries. Now, maybe the, the, the fences you put in the past have been broken, you can rebuild them. You can set boundaries in place. You can make decisions and stand on them. You know, and the truth is when you make those boundaries, it leads me to my next step. Accountability. You need to be accountable. Because from time to time, 
You might have winds blow against the fence, but you need a support system to help fortify that fence, to help you build that fence, to strengthen that fence, or else it will come crumbling down. Do you understand? So as, as much as you create a clear boundary, be accountable to someone, especially if you're in a relationship with someone, you're very attracted to that person. You need to put the boundaries in such a, uh, in, you know, you need to put them very, very, uh, make the boundaries very, very strong is what I'm saying. Fortify them. Um, be accountable. Be open to people. If you're feeling a certain way, talk to someone. Pray with the believer. You know, the Bible says we're meant to bear each other's burdens. The Bible tells us that we're meant to provoke each other onto good work. So we need to be available for our brothers and sisters to make sure that we can consistently live a life of sexual purity, pleasing the Lord all the days of our lives. Praise the name of the Lord. So I just want you to pray right now and turn this to prayer. I know that the Lord has spoken to one or two people here to to make that stand again. You can make the stand. You can be more intentional about your stance for sexual purity, about your stance for pleasing the Lord with the gift that he has given to you, to wait patiently until the right time. Because patience is a good virtue of the Spirit. It's a fruit of the Spirit that we have been given. So you can wait See, no matter how much your body is biting you and choking you, no matter how, as they say, congee is doing you, you can actually wait. You can say no. Congee will not kill you. It cannot. You can say no to intense sexual desires. You have the spirit of God. You're not an animal. It's animals that they can't just, they can do whatever they want, even in public, and they can't control themselves. But you have a regulator within you, the Holy Spirit, who can control your desires, who can help you say no, who can take you away from the, the pull and desires of sin. In, and, and, and I know that that's what you have. You have the Spirit of God within you. So I want you to turn into prayer and say, Lord, I take a stronger stance on this issue. By your Spirit within me, empowering me every step of the way, I can stand. I can stand. I can stand. In the name of Jesus, I can stand for the truth. I can stand for righteousness, even in this crooked and perverse generation. Come on, begin to pray right now. I can stand for the truth, even in this crooked and perverse generation. I can say no to sin. I can say no to, 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 to the, 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 the pull of sin and, and lustful desires. I can say no by the Spirit of God. Hallelujah. Oh, it doesn't matter where I come from. It doesn't matter what my past may have looked like. I can take a stand today. I can take a stand for God. I can be a light in this crooked and perverse generation. Generation, I can stick his stand and be blameless and harmless in this world. In the name of Jesus, there is power available to you. There is grace available to you to take a stand, dear brother, dear sister. There is grace available to you. Oh, glory to God. There is such powerful grace upon your life. Oh, for all that are ready to receive, there is grace for you. You can take a stand. You can take a stand. You can, you can, you can, by the power of God, you can. Oh, glory to the Lord. Hallelujah.
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, I want to leave the floor right open to anyone who, who has experienced some sort of hurt in the past. And maybe there's still some ounce of bitterness in your heart to someone who may have hurt you, to someone who have, may have taken advantage of you. I want you to just let that person go. As Christ forgave you, I want you to also forgive that person. Leave no room for bitterness. Leave no room for anger. Let it go. Let it go. Let it go. Right now, let it go. In the name of Jesus. Come on, let it go right now. So that the Lord can heal you completely. So that He can finish up what He has started on your inside. So that He can help you see that there is a bigger future ahead of you. There is a brighter, bigger, better future ahead of you. Oh, and it starts with this decision to let it go. To cut your ties with the past. Now, it might just have been an unfortunate past that you might have had. It might not have been abuse. But you can cut all ties right now with the past. You can put, you know, you can sever those ties, cut those strings that might hold you back somehow. You need to, you know, stop the ripple effect in its, in its motion right now by just saying, Lord, I cut all ties with my past. Let your healing begin and let it be completed in my life. Let me see changes in my perspective of what you've given to us, sex. Help me to see your, your, the sex the way that you see it in its pure, undiluted, unpolluted form in the name of Jesus. Help me, Lord. Help me, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. Oh, the Lord wants to heal, wants to heal a couple of people. Now I'm going to let him have his way. Thank you, Jesus. Just stay here. I want you to be receptive right now where you are, where you are. Just be silent for a bit. Be silent for a bit. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Bratosun ativ ambranin kite venenda kaba. Oh, brotusto kuvasta ma akte ke vrem bikadi. Brosto stas din brekente pen arusto kuvasata bakadi. Ala badana brakuto sotonta venti jetan active anarus sukubush. Oh, thank you, Spirit of God. Because the things that have been broken are being mended. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, being mended, being put back in place without scar to indicate past hurt. Oh, the Lord is mending, he's mending, he's stitching together all that was torn in your life. Oh, says the Spirit of the Lord. And there's restoration for you in ways you thought you had lost out and lost out on many opportunities and many, many uh, uh, privileges. The Lord says that he is mending and restoring. Glory to God. He's restoring all that was lost and broken. Thank you, Jesus. And he says you will know it by a sign. Because by the time you look, you would see that your heart's load and heavy burden has been lifted. You will see that your response to situations is different. Because he has brought that restoration upon you. Brata temenki rososa kaste mendin brakata. And he says those thoughts... Of, that are embedded with fear, fear of your future. 
He's taking them off. He's taking away the anxiety. Because in him, there is a sure future ahead of you. Because with him, he makes all things beautiful. And he brings the ashes and turns them to gold. He turns them to the beauty he has created for you. Glory to God. Hallelujah. And you will know this by a sign because your thoughts will be free of weight. Your thoughts will be free of anxiety. Your thoughts will be replaced by faith instead of fear oh thank you jesus thank you jesus and he's engracing everyone listening to me right now with such fresh unction of grace right now grace to stand for righteousness grace to be holy as he is holy he releases that grace receive it right now where you are as you're listening receive it receive it receive it grace for a fresh start Grace for more aggressive stance upon the righteousness of God that we've been called to. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We are your temples. We are your mobile temples. We move around, but you live in us. Thank you, Jesus, because we are called by you. We've been bought with a price. And you've given us privileges, benefits. You've given us salvation to enjoy freely. You've given us the gift of life to enjoy freely. And you've also given us the gift of sex. And Lord, we thank you because with this comes a responsibility. We are supposed to use this gift to help others, to bless the ones that we'll be joined with. You've given us that privilege, that blessing. Help us not to tamper with it. Help us not to pervert and abuse this gift you've given to us, to take a stand for you all the rest of our days. Thank you, Jesus. We love you. Hallelujah. Yes, yes. Thank you, Jesus. The healing has begun. Yes, yes. Thank you, Lord. Glory to your name. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. You're so faithful. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. What a fantastic night it has been. I'm really grateful for all of you who attended this. I'm really confident that somehow this has been a blessing to you and that the healings have begun. I just want to say, and, and the Lord is also leading me to say this. Uh, the, the, there's restoration coming for someone. It's not even related to um, this, this matter of sexual purity. Funny enough, there's restoration coming your way. Um, something that, that has been taken is being restored to you, uh, and even in abundance, says the Spirit of the Lord. And you will see it happen right before your eyes. Alright guys, so thank you for tuning in. God bless you. Thank you for being a part of this. I am super, super glad to have you join me. It was a weird, um, awkward, also a very empowering session with you all. I'm glad that I had you join me on this. I would have, I would have had it no other way. Thank you so much. I love you guys with all my heart. Go do big things. Take this stand for the Lord. And let's celebrate all our victories together in the end, even at the throne of our Lord Jesus Christ. Love you all. I want us to share. Uh, if you have a new person joining us, uh, this is your first time learning and loving with us on this platform, Vivify. Uh, I want you to just indicate in the chat section, let's celebrate you. Let's celebrate the grace of the Lord uh, with you. And let's, let us show you how much we love you, right? Um, I also want us to just share the benediction together. Remember, we have prayers um, on Tuesdays by 8 p.m. Ignite. And we have our worship Ignite sessions where we just sing to the Lord with our hearts, with the melodies from our hearts. 
on Fridays. So join us for that. Uh, something new. We had the first one last week, Friday. We want to give people a chance to express their worship uh, completely, even in music. So uh, that's going to happen on Friday. So be available. Love you all so, so much. Um, yeah, so let's share our benediction together. I'm sure you all know it by now. Uh, we are the sons of God, heirs of salvation, born of the Spirit, for we have been saved by his death, raised by his life. I think I'm too fast. <laughs> we live in him, by him, and for him forever, and he lives in us. Because we have been vivified. Glory to God. <laughs> Thank you all. I love you so much. Uh, have a pleasant evening. Rest well. And have a blessed week ahead. God bless you. I am super confident that this has been a blessing to you. Keep praying with it. And let these words drive you to action. To live in the fullness of the will of God for your life. Stick around for more. God bless you. I love you.